Well, hello, Caroline. Thank you so much for joining us into this podcast. How are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm doing amazing. I'm so super excited to have you here as a guest. We have so much to talk about and so much our the audience can definitely learn from you. So can you just give us a little bit of background and just walk us through how you came into becoming a super powerful designer and doing the things that you do today? Oh, thank you. That was a lovely intro. Um, basically, um, my name's Caroline Matthews. I'm a multi-awarding international fashion designer, um, also an ex-bridal designer as well. Um, and then I'm also a um, more or less like an empowerment coach for women as well, with all with their confidence and that kind of stuff. And I really um, started my journey um, as a bridal designer. I was there for 15 years. Um, the reason wow. why I went into bridal was very much because I had had it ingrained into me that the fashion industry was ridiculously hard to get into, mm. and that you needed a lot of money, you needed investors, yeah. um, that there was so much competition. Mm. Um, and even though I'd actually studied fashion, I did my degree in fashion, um, I had mentally um talked myself out of starting fashion when I was like 21 when I left university so um I randomly picked up a bridal magazine when I was in a hairdresser's very random because I'm not married so I don't know why I picked it up um and I just kept seeing the same wedding dress the same style the strapless big dress time and time and time again and I was just like Do you know what I'm gonna use my fashion skills and turn the bridal industry on its head and like really kind of create more stylish wedding dresses, something a bit different. So that's what I did. So Caroline Atelier was born and our signature style was very much backless, kind of slinky 1920s kind of style uh, inspired dresses. I did a lot of hand beading in India because my family heritage is in India. So it was a really great wow. way for me to give back. Um, I used to design and make every single wedding dress myself right at the beginning for the first two years because I couldn't afford um, a manufacturer or anything like mm. that. And then as it grew, I um, first of all dealt with China for about three, four years. And then the quality started to drop. So mm. I went back to producing them and manufacturing them myself. And then I found um, I worked with about three or four different manufacturers up until I have the one that I am still with now um, that I actually use with my bridal consultancy clients. And yeah, then about three years ago, I decided that I was not going to give in, I was going to give in to my passion. And I started my fashion label, which is Caroline Matthews. Um, and we have won two awards for that since we started. And the bridal label in all the years that I had it we won about six awards, so uh, Fashion Designer of the Year consecutively, three years in a row, wow. uh, Best New Directional Designer, uh, Best New Business. Um, you know, we were in on TV, featured in magazines. So, yeah, and then I started the Lux Collective then about two years ago. So that's very much about tribe and community and bringing women together and showing them how to essentially step into their greatness and become like their true unapologetic self because then we can catch them at that point get them confident on the inside and then they can go on then to wearing amazing fashion and feel confident on the outside as well 
Wow, wow, wow. <laughs> Powerhouse. <laughs> you totally slayed it. Okay. All right. So I have so many questions uh, coming from this. Uh, right. So, <laughs> okay. I keep talking in my podcast and everything that I do, obviously, that, you know, the number one thing that uh, it keeps people from buying from you online, whatever you're selling is the trust factor. And one of the reasons why I wanted to bring you in here in this podcast is because gaining this uh, authority through prizes, as you, as you mentioned, you, you were, you, you won so many prizes with your collection and things like that is one of the most powerful way of gaining uh, this trust and this authority in, in business in general. And so I wanted to, uh, for you to let us know how did you go about making this happen for your business and times and times again. Uh, you mean winning the awards? Yes. Basically, um, it was a case of literally putting myself forward for them. They weren't... When I, when I had my first year in business for the bridal label, I was living in Ireland at the time, and I came across the fact that uh, one of the bridal magazines was doing a... Um, I won't say a competition, it was like an awards and any any bridal designer could um, could like apply yeah. and you didn't have to have been in business years and years. And I just thought, you know what, I'm just going to apply. If nothing else, it's great exposure for my brand. Mm -hmm. um, it, you know, I'll, my dress will appear in the magazine and even if I don't win, it doesn't matter. And I won Best New Direction contemporary designer within the new like the newcomer category and then the same with the best new business I received a very small grant uh, when I started and so the um, the Irish grant board will say they put me forward for that for that award because obviously mm. they saw a really good business had a really good business model and then the other awards really I simply just put myself out there I literally nominated myself for these things because there's no point in sitting back and waiting and waiting and waiting for somebody to see you to somebody yeah. to recognize you because yeah. they won't recognize you you yeah. have to put yourself forward mm -hmm. and ultimately i think for me my end goal obviously my end goal would have been i was always nice to win but ultimately my end goal was to build a brand and to be visible with mm -hmm. what i was doing Winning the award was almost just like a cherry on the top. It wasn't. It wasn't what I was literally going for. So I guess really for anybody out there, like if you're just like sitting on your laurels and hoping that you know things are going to come to you and that you're going to get picked up by a store or you know just by appearing in a show, it's not going to work. You've got to be instrumental in putting yourself out there and your brand out there and speaking about it as much as possible. And yeah connecting with the right kind of people and really showing the person behind the brand. Okay, fantastic. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And I love, love everything that you said in here. And this is so true. You have to put yourself forward. You literally have to nominate yourself and get into those competitions and prizes because obviously it's definitely something that you guys can show off <laughs> with, you know, and build incredible uh, authority. So how did, how did you see the, the, 
I would say the 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 gains from you know um, the good thing coming up after being nominated and winning those prizes. How did this impact your business? Um, winning the awards was obviously a great something great that I could um, tell tell new stockists that were you know were interested in taking mm. on the collection. It was a great thing to have on my website. Um, but if I'm totally honest with you, they were not the things that sold my collection into stores. That wasn't the thing that got me 10 bridal boutiques in the first year of me having business. What got me uh, bridal boutiques on board and my product into stores was me. It was mm -hmm. me having a defined mission. It was me having a defined voice. It was me having a defined brand and me differentiating myself as much as I could from anybody else mm -hmm. and you know trying lots of different things like trying little pop-up shops um doing designer events in boutiques yeah traveling from one end of the country to the other to do um a designer day in a boutique maybe they might take it on maybe they won't you've got to be I think sometimes people think that you know it's just going to come to you and within mm -hmm. When you're in e-commerce or you're in fashion or a creative thing, nothing just comes to you. You've got to be constantly out there being your biggest promoter. Mm -hmm. And I'm a huge advocate of shamelessly promoting yourself because if you don't, then you're just going to merge in with every other person and every other product out there. Mm -hmm. So while the awards were amazing and they were a great addition, they are not what got me into the stores. They weren't what got me dressing celebrities it was me and it was my you know my consistency with putting myself out there and coming up with new designs having a quality product time and time again that was key 100% quality I was transparent um I had good pricing and people liked me I was very confident in selling my collection because I believed in it and I knew what it was like and I used to wear every single wedding dress before it went into a when I used to get it made just so I could see how it felt I could tell a bride how it felt so there was no bullshit in going oh well you know you'll look really nice in this dress I physically put every single piece on and I knew yeah. how it fit and that was to me that was a very good selling point I love that I love that and like yeah I totally agree with that 100% I mean when you're doing your own creations like it matters i mean you see it if someone is really passionate by their but what they are doing because they are doing all the things that you have been doing and i really really love that um that's one of the things that i i really wish a lot of e-commerce entrepreneurs would would do more of is to just stand behind their product a little bit more and push for them a little bit more because this is where they would see results coming through and you you mentioned yes you dressed celebrities so how did you go about that what was the process behind um again i <laughs> literally called people up i thought right okay who would who would my collection sue i mean i i didn't address the celebrity for the bridal it was it was more for the fashion but i, I was going to end up designing a wedding dress for an Irish celebrity at the time. Wow. Um, and again, I was very, I was very clued up. I was constantly looking at bridal blogs on online, mm -hmm. looking at what was going on. 
I was always getting myself to events. I was always putting yeah. my, my wedding dresses out there. Mm -hmm. I was doing like local fashion shows, national fashion shows. And when I saw on a blog that this particular um, TV presenter was getting married, she was an Irish presenter and she was really looking towards an Irish designer, even though mm -hmm. I'm English, I was very, back then I was very much branded as an Irish designer. Yeah. Um, you know, I Googled, I looked for her PR company. I looked for her like personal assistance email address. I went through all the different channels I could. And in the end I got, you know, I emailed her and we connected and we corresponded. Um, and in the end, uh, we were going ahead with it, but it had somehow been leaked that she was getting a dress, um, from me and mm. she wanted it to be completely a surprise so yeah. she ended up not going with me and choosing a different designer because she didn't want it to be leaked to the press yeah. essentially at first but it was literally a case of consistency consistency putting myself in front of my brand and being the face of my brand all of the time yeah fantastic yeah totally i, I love your grit there like it really shows there and that's 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 definitely what got you to have all those results, and I really really um, respect that from you. Um, next question regarding because you also mentioned um, suppliers and manufacturers. What is what are I would say what are your best advice when it comes to dealing with factories and getting exactly what you need and the quality that you expect from them? Um. I guess the first thing is you've got to be patient because mm -hmm. with like with anything it would be you would be extremely lucky if the first manufacturer that you approached was the one you were going to end up working with forever mm -hmm. um you have to be prepared to lose money mm -hmm. you have to be prepared to play the long game you have to be prepared to um fly out there and meet them that it's a massive massive thing wherever that manufacturer is that you build a physical relationship with them mm, so yeah. even for me when i first dealt with china for the first three years i i flew out to china mm. and i met with them i made sure they saw my face i made sure i saw the factory and it was a very small family-run factory which is what i was looking for um, and it made a huge amount of difference, the fact that they had seen that I travelled all of the way from Ireland to mm. Guangzhou in China physically mm. to come and meet them, to see the factory, to see the fabrics, because that shows determination, that shows that you want to work with somebody. If you haven't got that determination or if you don't build those relationships, you won't you won't last long enough with them because all you're trying to do is have like Skype conversations. Mm -hmm. and things can get lost in translation. Yeah. And if the shit hits the fan and something happens and maybe a design has not been made correctly, if you have built up a relationship with them, a good solid relationship, mm -hmm. even though you're only buying small quantities or whatever it is, they will treat you the same as they do a big supplier. But if you have, if you can't be asked to go over there and build that relationship and build that connection, you can be very easily just put to the bottom of the line. Mm. And there's only you who will lose out with that because you need them more than they need you. Yeah. So it's so important to, 
to build those relationships and as I said be prepared to lose money because uh, that's that's what it's going to be like and you have to really negotiate um, and be fair on equal parts in the beginning you're obviously going to be paying more for mm -hmm. your products yeah of course you are because you've got no relationship with them mm -hmm. um obviously the best thing is if you can find manufacturers who don't have any minimums but it's highly unlikely these days that you're gonna you're gonna mm -hmm. find that um unless it's a growing company who is who wants to kind of grow with you but yeah it's it's about being patient and i said i flew out to wind uh flew out to china i was ongoing for like six or seven months and and then you know the orders were coming in they were perfect the designs were good and everything was made to what i wanted it to be made to and i was confident in selling them then and you know if there was ever any issues we'd get on skype and i knew that she would she would you know do something and change it as quickly as she could and send it over and it's all relationship building Awesome. Yeah, I love that. This is so true. Definitely, definitely. And how did you go on with the like uh, with the process? And did you did they make the samples for you or did you create the samples yourself and then you send it to them? I mean, how did you handle that level? Um, initially, I would um, I designed the collection. I mm -hmm. chose the fabrics um and then they would make me an initial sample which was mm. um they used to make me an initial sample made out of cheap fabric so essentially yeah. a twelve, so yeah. i could see what it was like and made sure mm -hmm. that everything was right and then once i okayed that they would then make the actual sample in the chosen fabric yeah. in whatever size it was i wanted to sample in and then that's what i would hang up in my bridal studio or that's what I had then as a collection to show other bridal boutiques and then it was it was that way but yeah for the first year um i was i was making every single wedding dress which i think is a huge a huge thing that a lot of people don't want to do because yeah for me when i went to china i'd already been in business a year so i knew that if that a chinese supplier turned around to me and said oh this dress is going to cost you $500 and it's going to take X amount of hours to make. I would know whether that was actually true or not because yeah. I don't physically have made the pattern myself. Yeah. I would have constructed the dress myself. Mm -hmm. So I think especially if you're in fashion, um, I think it's very important for you to understand the construction of each piece. Yeah. And oh, yeah. if definitely, if you can, to have actually made at least one of each design because it means that number one, you don't get ripped off. Yes. Number two, you understand the construction. So if they come back to you and say, Caroline, the you know the shoulder panel or the lapel is not laying right, needs to be moved back three inches to match mm -hmm. on with the back collar, like whatever it is, you're not stood there going, what are they talking about? You yeah. need to be kind of on your game and you need to look a lot more professional than you probably are in the beginning. Mm -hmm. So it's so important to have as much knowledge as possible about your product or you know about your collection whatever it is yeah 100 percent, absolutely i kind of faced uh similar situations where you know this is definitely something that some of them would push you through i don't know if it's a testing or if this is just out of i can't even explain it but yeah they do uh try to see if they can scrap some <laughs> some more things from you and you're like no i know exactly how to make my piece this is how you're supposed to do it you know so absolutely and 
yeah, the next question uh, regarding getting your pieces into stores. So what would be your best advice in this level? Um, the best advice for getting your product into stores. Um, first of all, know your market, mm -hmm. know your audience, know your price points and know where you would want to sell your product because there's no point in saying, right, I want my product stocks all over the UK and then mm -hmm. you've got no kind of real logistical way of kind of doing it. For me, I knew where I wanted my stock to be placed. I knew that I, I wanted to go more with luxury department stores than I did smaller boutiques. Um, I knew that it was a lot harder to do it that way. But for me, I didn't want to be stocked all over the, all over the world. I didn't want to be available everywhere. Mm -hmm. So for me, the best way to do that was to pick a few luxury stores that I thought that I could sit, uh, my collection could sit well with. Mm -hmm. um, and then a case, again, a case of research. Who do I need to speak to? How do I get their email address? How mm -hmm. do, you know, how do you approach them? And really understanding that with, um, with the fashion, I mean, I don't know about in the States, but I'm pretty sure it's a general rule of thumb. And in, um other countries and it's normally about a 2.8 markup mm -hmm. that um a luxury store tends to have um when they're retailing fashion so you need to be very aware of that as well so before you go and just like approaching stores absolutely know your numbers and know the cost of your item yeah and then also like what you're going to wholesale it at and then what they're going to retail it at so if you've got a leather jacket and you would normally, you know, look at retailing that at $300, $300 on your website and you want them to re retail it at $300 and mm -hmm. they're like, yeah, yeah, that'll work. That means you need to be selling it to them for like, you know, 60 to $70. Yeah. So then you need to be making sure you make that for a lot less. So you're always making at least 100% margin. If you don't, then you may as well not be in business. So I think before you all get excited about getting your product into stores and approaching them, I think it's really, really important to do your research, find out, your, get your numbers exactly right so nobody comes unstuck. Because when you approach a buyer and you have your meeting, they are only interested in numbers. They're interested in, is your product going to sell in my store? If it is going to sell in my store, how much is it going to cost me? And how much am I going to sell it for? And how much am I going to make? Mm -hmm. That is the preconception with buyers that this is why a lot of the time they don't want to work with new designers because new designers do not know their shit. Mm -hmm. They don't know all of these numbers. They think that they can just go in and go, yeah, yeah, it's fine. I can get all this done. I've got a production. I've got a fabric supplier. I can do all that. That's fine. But they don't think of the numbers. And I learned that the hardware when I first started. And you just lose money. And there's, you know, everybody's in it to make money. You're in it to make mm -hmm. money. Buyers in it to make money. And ultimately, if you sell well and have a good sell-through rate, they will want you again. If you don't yeah. sell well and you don't sell through, you're mm -hmm. going to be, you're just back in there that you'll be forgotten about, and mm -hmm. then that'll be you gone. So it's really important that before you even approach boot, uh, stores, especially luxury stores or larger stores, you know mm -hmm. your numbers and really research the company as well find about out about the designers that they carry what 
kind of events that they do because it's conversation as well when you go in there it's it's like going on a date well I, I say a date you ask questions yeah. you know you find out what people what they like and what they do if you just go in there and be the shitty first date that talks about themselves and you know doesn't have any rapport doesn't to ask questions and you know build that relationship you will find that you'll be you'll become very unstuck very quickly because ultimately while your collection is about you it's absolutely not about you it's yeah. about a consumer mm-hmm. and a buyer is only interested in a consumer and what they can sell they're not really interested in you so mm-hmm. it's about you building that brand again standing in front of that brand and yeah researching the companies and really kind of getting to know them as well before before you put your well hope to put your product into their store yeah i love it thank you so much that that was a lot <laughs> a lot to take in but yes definitely and um you mentioned something yes hold on what was it <laughs> i'm losing my thoughts here um okay my question sorry um what do you think of buyers who tells you okay i'm willing to take some of your pieces but let's do this through consignment it's how it is you will never ever find a buyer unless you are shit hot and you are just off london fashion week or new york mm-hmm. fashion week and you've had the press raving about you there's no way a boot a store is going to take is going to buy your collection they just mm-hmm. don't do it because it's it's a risk for them and yeah. they are not willing to take a risk so every store that you work with initially will be on consignment it'll be on sale or return this is what it was for me mm-hmm. i had to fund the initial collection to go into the store um and this is why you want to research the stores and try and make sure you pick the right store so you have the sell through because then at the end of the coll- at the end of the season if you have sold really well you are then able to negotiate and say well look for the following season will you take it on as a wholesale will you you know will you purchase a collection but you have to be aware as well that even if they do do that they will generally have a 60 or 90 day payment term so you're still going to have to fund the initial stock to yeah. go in there even if they decide to take you on and actually pay for your collection so yeah it's consignment is just it's just how it is all right okay i get that yeah because i mean for consignment i think it's like we have all our uh different way of seeing it but i know this is like it's a first step to go through um some people tell you i mean i heard definitely entrepreneurs saying that it was consignment is unfair and that it shouldn't be done but i think it's it's a case by case situation here and um I- I, I don't know whether I I agree with that really. I mean, I've okay. I've seen both sides now, and I and I be, I really do believe that. Why would a buyer spend twenty grand on your stock without seeing, without really knowing your brand, without testing mm. your brand? It's very easy to come from the other end of it, which is us, the designers where we're just going, oh, but that's so unfair. You know, we've Mm. spent all this money, invested all of this money. We need to see some of that money back. You've got to see it from their point of view. They've got to be able to take, you've got to eliminate as much risk as possible for them. And the only way that you can do that is by doing the consignment and then doing as much as possible 
by being able to go in store and say, well, look, can I do any in-person events for you to help promote the collection? Is there anything I can do? And if you're seen to be really pushing it and being involved, then they're definitely more likely then to come to you next season and go, right, okay, uh, we'll, we'll definitely place an order, you know, 25 grand order, whatever it is. And you're like, oh, great, this is amazing. And then you've got your bases covered. It might take two or three seasons to do that. But if you are committed and it's what you want to do is have a product-based business, you've got to be willing to play the long game. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I totally agree with that, 100%. And you started to cover something, and that was one of my questions. Uh, when you're doing consignment, who is in charge of the promotion? Um, obviously, the, the store is in charge of doing the main promotion. But um, I was very lucky in the well, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say, I'm not going to say lucky at all. I built up a relationship with, um, excuse me, the the head women's wear buyer of the the store that I went into, mm. um, and I was, you know, I asked, I was like, "What is it your customers want?" And they were very, very good at promoting me. They uh, did a lot of like newspaper articles about me, uh, magazines, some mm -hmm. press. They did press days. I was invited to a uh, lots of different things. Um, and it was a great way for me because obviously it's an equal thing. If they if they do this and get me in there, yeah. that's going to increase sales. And it also is great visibility for me mm -hmm. and my brand. So I think it's a it's more of a, the store to do that. But if you are forward thinking and going, look, do you ever do any designer days or any in-store events where I could come, I could attend, I could you know speak about my collection, speak about my product? Um, if you don't say these things, then they're never going to happen, you know? Mm. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I totally get that. Okay, great. Awesome. Thank you so much, Caroline. And now I just, because uh, we were talking about it before we started recording, um, now you are taking uh, a step that is a little bit different than what you used to do in the fashion. Now you're more of like a, a woman empowerment coach. So can you talk to us about that? And what what pushed you to shift from one to another? Um, well, I haven't I haven't shifted in the sense of I'm I'm still doing fashion. I'm still producing collections. Um, but for me, it's I believe fashion and confidence go together. Mm -hmm. And my fashion ever since I started it has always been about empowering women from within because um, I've always believed that my collection is just an extension of who a woman is mm -hmm. and for her to be absolutely badass her to like rock herself and feel incredible in anything she wears it's got to come from within and I noticed it from clients that I had with the fashion and even before that with the bridal that they wouldn't wear certain things because they didn't feel confident enough mm. they didn't want yeah. They didn't want people to judge them, worried about mm -hmm. what people thought. And so for me, that's when I created the Lux Collective because the Lux Collective is basically a place where women come together and, you know, they're part of a tribe. And then I also mentor them to really step into their greatness and really uncover and identi identify who they really are at their core essence. Mm -hmm. And then when they can do that unapologetically, they then become, you know, this looks woman and, you know, they dress themselves better. They have better relationships because they communicate better. They have better relationship with themselves. And to me, that's so important. So I've not 
I've, although it looks like I've diversified, it's actually just an extension of my fashion mm -hmm. that is able for me to help even more women and to work with even more women as well as just selling product. It's yeah. about catching that woman behind, you know, before she buys clothes or a woman who's in business and, you know, maybe she's had a bit of an identity crisis. She doesn't know who she mm -hmm. is and she feels crap and it all has a, like a knock-on effect. So for me, it's it's a perfect fusion of two businesses. So that's why I, I started the Lux Collective. That's beautiful. I love all that. And um, okay, so where can people find you online? Um, uh, you can find me on the Lux Collective, which is www.the-luxcollective.com. Uh, and my fashion website is www.carolinematthews.co. And you'll find all the details on there. And um, we're also going to be short, shortly launching the Confidence Project, which is going to be to support women all over the world to step into their greatness. And, you know, there's going to be style in there as well, confidence, loads of amazing actions and exercises and just group of connection of tribe of women to help them elevate themselves. So I'm looking forward to that too. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that too for you. And <laughs> that sounds super cool. And um, yeah, before I let you go, we were talking about the call before the call. You prepared something for someone listening, the our listeners. We have yeah, a little um, <laughs> giveaway. There's actually um a I gave it's actually a little bundle. So um it's an hour-long 60-minute uh video training all about how to get your product into stores. Some of the preconceptions of what buyers would be thinking of their objections. Um, and then also just a few other bits and pieces about how I got my collection into stores. And then there's also a workbook in there. Uh, well, I don't say a workbook. It's my confidence mantras. So it's also, you know, mantras for people to use, to help them build their confidence. So I think you have the link for that. So they yeah. are absolutely welcome to to get that it's a really it's a really good video training i say it's like about an hour long so it's it's really good fantastic thank you so much caroline and whomever listening right now all the links will be in the show notes so you can go ahead and snatch that because that sounds so amazing <laughs> thank you so much caroline for your time and for your precious advice seriously thank you so much thank you very much for having me